Support for this podcast comes from the Florida Atlantic University College of Business, home to over 8,000 students, seven departments, six centers, and an impressive offering of interdisciplinary and professional development programs taught by the college's world-class faculty. Learn more at business.fau.edu. Welcome to What's Happening at FAU Business. I'm Ryan Swano. And I'm Jen Mullins, and we both work in the Marketing and Communications Group at the FAU College of Business. With us today is William Luther, an Assistant Professor in the Economics Department at FAU Business. Luther's expertise is in monetary economics and alternative currencies, including Bitcoin. He is also the director of the Sound Money Project at the American Institute for Economic Research and an adjunct scholar with the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives in Washington, D.C. Luther joined us on the podcast to discuss the recent announcement of Libra, a new cryptocurrency being developed by Facebook. Thanks for listening and enjoy the interview. Hi, William. Welcome to the podcast. And thank you for joining us via Skype all the way from Hanoi, Vietnam. Yeah, my pleasure. Before we get into Facebook's Libra, can you uh, just briefly explain what is a cryptocurrency? So a cryptocurrency is a digital asset that's intended to function as a medium of exchange. Or perhaps to state the matter more simply, a digital money that's used to make payments over the Internet. Most cryptocurrencies employ sophisticated cryptography to keep financial transactions secure and govern the supply of its unique coins in circulation. There are many cryptocurrencies, of course. Bitcoin's the most popular, uh, so it has a market capitalization of around $221 billion as of July 9, 2019. Uh, others include Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. But again, there are many, many others, and it looks like Libra will be joining the ranks soon. Why is Facebook creating Libra, do you think? Well, they're, they're probably doing it for the same reason that any business does anything, uh, to make money. Um, it's not entirely clear from the white paper whether Libra will be a, a debt claim like the notes issued by a currency board or an equity claim like shares in a money market mutual fund. But the difference is not too important for our purposes. So I'll just discuss it for now as if it were a debt claim. And we can see how Facebook can make money by issuing Libra. So let's suppose that you would like to exchange $1 for one Libra. You give $1 to Facebook. They give you one Libra. And they promise to return $1 to you or anyone else who shows up to exchange the Libra in the future. The question is, what does Facebook do with the $1 it received? It could just hold it, but cash does not pay any interest. Since Facebook incurs some costs to issue the Libra and maintain its portfolio, holding cash is a losing proposition. So instead, it will use that $1 to purchase some financial assets that pay interest. To keep it simple, let's suppose Facebook purchases $1 worth of U.S. Treasuries. Now, if at any time someone returns with the one Libra it issued, Facebook can sell that $1 worth of U.S. Treasury and exchange the one Libra for $1 as promised. But in the meantime, Facebook is earning interest on the U.S. Treasuries that it holds in its portfolio. Now, we call this the float. That is the difference in interest between the assets that you issue and the assets that you hold. A Libra pays no interest. U.S. Treasuries pay a little bit of interest. And for as long as the Libra it issues is outstanding, Facebook pockets the difference. 
Now, I've removed some layers of complexity in that explanation, so let me discuss those a bit now. First, if, if you want one Libra, you can't go to Facebook to get it. Facebook will only deal directly with a set of authorized resellers. But the interaction between Facebook and the authorized resellers will be more or less like the interaction I just described. Authorized resellers will make money on the buy-sell spread, much like foreign exchange dealers do today. So if you buy one Libra from an authorized reseller, you will pay a little more than $1, maybe $1.05. And if you sell one Libra to an authorized reseller, you'll receive a little less than $1, maybe 95 cents. And the authorized reseller will collect the difference between the buy and sell price, which in this simple example is 10 cents. One more layer of complexity. So far, we've assumed that Facebook will hold US treasuries. It will actually hold a portfolio of dollar-denominated, euro-denominated, and other national currency-denominated securities. And that raises some interesting questions regarding the relationship between Facebook and its authorized resellers. For example, will Facebook promise to exchange Libra exclusively for dollars or perhaps instead for some combination of dollars, euros, and other national currencies? Will Facebook promise to exchange at a fixed price, say $1 per Libra or $1 and half a euro per Libra? Or will authorized resellers be entitled to a share of the net asset value of the Libra Reserve Fund? Again, these issues are unclear at present. So how will Libra be similar to and different from the other cryptocurrencies that are currently out there? Well, there are two big differences between Libra and most other cryptocurrencies. First, its supply will be managed to maintain a stable purchasing power over time. With Bitcoin and many other cryptocurrencies, the supply grows at some predetermined rate. So when demand increases, purchasing power increases. And when demand declines, purchasing power declines. That purchasing power volatility means it's really hard to know exactly how many tacos and margaritas you can buy with one Bitcoin at some point in the future. Sometimes you can buy a lot, sometimes you can buy a little. With Libra, the supply will expand and contract to offset those changes in demand. That, in principle, means you'll be able to buy the same amount of tacos and margaritas with one Libra over time. Now, the idea of stabilizing purchasing power makes Libra unlike most other cryptocurrencies, but it's not, strictly speaking, unique to Libra. We, we call cryptocurrencies like this stable coins, and others, like Tether, are already operational. I, I should also clarify that it's not quite clear what Facebook means by a stable purchasing power. I've suggested that it means you can buy the same amount of tacos and margaritas, that is, real goods and services over time. But more likely, it means that you'll be able to buy the same amount of dollars, euros, or some other currency or currency basket over time, in which case the Libra price of tacos and margaritas will increase slightly as the underlying currencies gradually lose purchasing power over time. So to think about this simply, if a dollar-denominated inflation is 2%, and one Libra can always be exchanged for $1, then Libra-denominated inflation is 2% as well. The second big difference for Libra is that it's issued by a very prominent institution. Most cryptocurrencies are either decentralized with no issuing entity, 
or centralized with a largely unknown issuing entity. Ripple Labs, which issues Ripple, is perhaps the biggest exception to the latter. They've established a bit of a reputation by adding folks like economist Susan Athey to their board. But even still, no one had heard of Ripple Labs before it launched as a cryptocurrency company. Facebook, in contrast, already enjoys widespread name recognition. And it almost certainly hopes to leverage that reputation it has gained as a social media platform in order to encourage adoption of its cryptocurrency. So why would a consumer choose Libra as opposed to the other cryptocurrencies currently available? Yeah, that's a good question. So for starters, we should go back to the two features which distinguish it from most other cryptocurrencies, stability and recognition. Bitcoin is the most successful cryptocurrency to date. But its unstable purchasing power makes it a little cumbersome to use and discourages many from adopting. If Libra can maintain a more stable purchasing power, those who would like to use cryptocurrencies but to date have been put off by the volatility of Bitcoin might adopt it. Of course, we would also need to explain why those folks haven't flocked to existing stable coins like Tether. And the short answer there is network effects. No one wants to use a money that no one else is using. We want to use the same money our trading partners use. That's just much more convenient. To date, few people have adopted Tether, and that dissuades others from adopting. Facebook, in contrast, is a household name, and that name recognition, perhaps in conjunction with the ability to make purchases on Facebook with Libra, could be enough to establish a big network and set it apart from other stable coins. Lastly, we should consider why anyone would want to use a cryptocurrency in the first place. Some people like the transparency of their supply mechanisms. Others prefer the privacy features boasted by some cryptocurrencies. But ultimately, I think it comes down to enabling transactions at a lower cost than the competition. At present, PayPal, Square, Zelle, and a host of others provide very cheap payment technologies. So Facebook certainly has its work cut out for it if Libra is to be competitive in this space. I'm wondering, so people are attracted to Bitcoin because of the volatility, right? Or investors are because they think they're going to make a lot of money buying in at a certain point. Is that correct? Well, I think some people are interested in cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, that is especially volatile uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, because they hope to make the money over the long term. But if we take a step back and think about how it would be that they make some money on that transaction. It has to be that uh, over the period which they're holding the asset, the asset's value rises. And so what would cause that value to rise? Uh, In general, cryptocurrencies, they're not useful for anything other than uh, facilitating payments. And so the only thing that would ultimately cause their value to rise is if people believe that they're more likely to facilitate payments in the future or more likely to facilitate more payments in the future. That is, if people expect their network size to grow. And so uh, there's a lot of volatility around Bitcoin. And people, some people are interested in that volatility because they they want to make some money perhaps in the short term uh, or in the long term. But ultimately, the ability to make money off of Bitcoin as a financial investment depends on the value of its network increasing. That is, it depends ultimately on its usefulness as a medium of exchange. 
Will Facebook's privacy challenges negatively impact Libra? Yeah, that's a big issue. Uh, let me say a couple things about that. First, I think the privacy issues surrounding Facebook are overstated. I'm a pretty private guy. If, if you want to add me on Facebook, you have to be a friend of a friend. I keep most of my photos and posts limited to friends only, and, and I don't share a lot of personal information to begin with. But here's the thing. Most people are not like me. Most people share a lot, and they share it publicly. For better or worse, they just don't seem to care much about their privacy. So some of us will complain about the privacy issues challenging Facebook, but for most people, it's just not a big deal. Second, we must always ask the question, compared to what? Sure, Facebook is not known for being super private, but will it handle our financial data any differently than a bank or other payment processor would? Probably not. So if you're deciding between Libra and Bitcoin or some privacy-focused coin like Monera, sure, Libra is probably not a great option for you. But if your alternative is to transfer funds via PayPal, it's not so obvious why Libra would be any worse in terms of privacy. When will consumers expect to purchase their first Libra? So I don't believe there's a hard date set yet, but the projection is that uh, Libra will be uh, available to the public in the first half of 2020. William, thank you again for joining us on the podcast and safe travels while in Asia and during your return to the U.S. Thanks a lot. It's been fun. What's Happening at FAU Business is part of the FAU College of Business podcast network. Learn more at business.fau.edu slash podcasts. <laughs>